Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. When last I spoke, it was before Hurricane Florence made landfall. And it had been upgraded from Category 3 to Category 4. When Flo made landfall, it had been downgraded to a mere Category 1. Category 1. <laughs> How much damage can that do, right? Enormous damage. Especially as it remained over areas for a long protracted periods of time because of its slow movement and it drenched and flooded the Carolinas. I saw a figure of eight fatalities, eight deaths attributed to it. I fear, however, that when the waters have receded, the death toll will be higher. I hope not, but I fear that will be the case. As it stands, it stated that nearly a million homes and businesses are without power. Fortunately, it is during September and not December, January, sometime like that, when being without power would be that much more problematic because of temperatures. But... I mentioned about the possibility, the faint possibility that you never hear mentioned that perchance some sharks would make their way into the flooded areas. Perhaps they would be flooded right in. And of course, gators, the beloved reptiles. Well, I did see mention of those reptiles, this one woman who evacuated with her family and their livestock, she said the following, our friend behind our old house, they have gators swimming in the water. Gators swimming in the water in communities. So, wee bit problematic perchance. But when you get tremendously powerful storms like this, you can get all manner of other terrible, dangerous situations, such as power lines knocked down that are still flowing with power. One incident that caught my eye and I thought was just highly unusual sounding, was the death of one woman in South Carolina. It mentioned about a fallen tree, but the fallen tree, according to what was in the report, did not fall on her vehicle, which she was driving, but rather she struck the vehicle. I just, I don't understand that she struck with enough force to be killed. What I suspect, however is that branches from the tree came through the windshield 
and killed her. Perhaps not, but just terrible. The suffering is huge. The economic loss, enormous. And there is still great danger in the form of possible landslides and additional flooding and dams perhaps giving way and then flash flooding and all manner of terrible things. And of course, following these terrible incidents, so many houses and so many businesses wind up being deemed unsuitable for habitation and for use, condemned because of mold and structural damage, the structures being compromised. So the after effects, once the waters have receded, the after effects will continue on. I hope that some skilled teams will be dispatched to deal with the gators that currently are swimming around and likely would be running around at that time. But flow has done a number, especially on the Carolinas. In the Outer Banks, the wild horse herd has survived. And based on their reports, as far as they can tell, none of the horses lost their lives. And in fact, they're doing well. They found higher ground. They came together. They grouped together. They herded together to protect one another against the wind and the rain. And now they are out grazing. Thankfully. Perhaps you heard tell or heard word or saw about this terrible, devastating series of natural gas explosions up in the greater Lawrence, Massachusetts area. Just devastating. 8,000 people were displaced, which is, of course, an absolute drop in the bucket compared to those displaced by Hurricane Florence. But these explosions, they were referred to as Armageddon-like. Well, that's being just a wee bit too poetic since Armageddon hasn't been here yet. So you take that with a grain of salt or sand. But there were fires in 60 to 80 homes in Lawrence, Andover, and North Andover. As far as the fatalities, a teenager died, at least a couple dozen others were injured. Natural gas, it's so wonderful. I know I was looking in one area at possibly 
somehow scraping together enough nickels to put a down payment on a very, very, very modest house. This was a few years ago now, half a dozen years ago. And I was disappointed to see a couple things. There were a couple things that put me off. Uh, Not that I was able to come up with enough money anyway, but two things in particular jumped out at me. One was that these small houses were so closely packed one to another. There was so little room between them. And the second thing was that they all had gas. They all had natural gas or propane. But the gas lines ran throughout the entire area. Now, that may not sound too surprising if you're thinking of some housing development, let's say, in some built-up area in the East Bay Area, let's say, of San Francisco Bay Area, something like that. I'm not talking about something like that. I'm referring to a mountaintop community, a mountaintop community, hours away from the big cities, and a hard drive at that, and beautiful wilderness surroundings. And I could not find a house. Again, these these were the low-end houses. I could not find one that did not have natural gas. And I wasn't going to have any part of that. Not only because of the danger within your own home, dangers which can come in the form of gas leaks and then carbon monoxide poisoning and or, of course, a flash explosion from a spark or from a... uh, unintended, you know, striking of a match or something, but more likely from a spark. But you're endangered not only within your own residence, whether that's rented or leased or owned or whatever, but you're endangered from all of your neighbors. All it takes is for there to be an incident in one and you get a chain reaction that devastates the entire area when everything is so closely packed. But then there is another danger. And of course, you never hear about the dangers. Everything's just hunky-dory. It's the cleanest form of fuel, and it's the cheapest form, and it's the most abundant, and on it goes. It's just wonderful, wonderful natural gas. Well, another one is this, is that let's say, in a place like California, but frankly, anywhere along the Pacific coast. So California, Oregon, Washington, on up through British Columbia and the Canadian West Coast, on through Alaska. You have an earthquake here and there and elsewhere. doesn't have to be the big one. It can be a much lesser gravity earthquake, but just sufficient to rupture a gas line. And you can have massive explosions and devastation. 
So I am not a fan of natural gas. I'm not a fan of nuclear power (laughs) for similar reasons. But anyway, it caused significant localized devastation in this area, north of Boston, and tragedy for at least one family. Now, I mentioned in the previous programs about, speaking of tragedies, of this young man, both on Shem Jean, or Jean, who was slain in his apartment, dare I say murdered, anyway, slain in his apartment by a reasonably young, youthful, young policewoman who's been on the job for a number of years and who insisted on entering his apartment instead of hers, hers being one floor below. As I mentioned in the previous program, several things were unmistakably clear, even though more details will come out, even if the investigation more closely resembles, in some respects, a cover-up. Regardless, more details will come to the fore in coming days and weeks. But a couple things were manifestly clear. One, she was utterly, totally, completely unfit to ever serve in a law enforcement capacity. Secondly, that she was a liar. It was evident to me from her statements, (laughs) her creative statements. Well, she's changed her story time and again. But what I found fascinating here was the Again, the Texas Rangers are investigating, but it has also been identified as being the Sheriff's Department is investigating. The Police Department is not. She's employed by the Police Department, and the police station was just two blocks away. She was not arrested until practically three full days after she had shot this man to death in his apartment when she supposedly, mistakenly entered his apartment. And again, she's had more than one story of concerning what happened and that contradicts herself. But the investigators have seen fit to investigate this man's apartment, go through everything of his, which seems just a trifle curious. Meanwhile... They have not chosen to investigate her apartment. Now, whether she was in an altered state of mind via booze or drugs or whatever, nothing has been stated. All that was stated is that they tested her blood. But again, she wasn't arrested for practically three days. So then it begs the question, when was her blood tested? But... These investigators claim to have found 10.4 grams of marijuana in this young man's apartment. What bearing that has on this, not sure. (laughs) But Officer Amber Geyer, 
or Geiger, like Geiger counter, but just spelled differently. She, again, has said a number of different things, but she claimed that the apartment door was ajar, even though these front doors close automatically, that supposedly it was ajar, supposedly it was totally dark. She entered, and after entering, then she sees the silhouette of a large man, and she barks out orders to him, and he supposedly ignored them. How she could tell that he ignored them in the darkness, I don't know. Instead of turning on a light, instead of doing anything else, instead of backing out of there, she gets her gun and starts shooting. Reasonable behavior for a police person, right? For a policewoman, reasonable behavior. Uh Uh-huh, well... Now she is saying in this affidavit that was made out so that the young man's apartment could be searched, she changed her story and stated that she was attempting to enter this apartment with a set of keys. Huh, even though the door was ajar, now she's trying to enter with a set of keys. So she truly must have been in an altered state of mind. Again, she's lying through her teeth. Take which version you want from her. And yet, despite these diametric contradictions, the investigators insist that she believed that he was an intruder. Even though she could not enter via key. You know, so now she's trying to enter with keys, which means the door is closed and locked. And she's trying to enter with the keys. She can't enter with the keys because she doesn't have the keys to his apartment, but to hers, which is immediately below. So then how does she get in? He would have had to have opened the door for her. And she would have seen him at point-blank range, and there would have been light streaming into the apartment from the hallway, even if there was no light in the apartment. But do you really think he's going to go to his door in complete darkness and open it up without having a light on in the apartment? Do you really imagine that? (laughs) Unless he's a hitman, that's not going to happen. So... Again, a witness heard shouting and then two shots, but they among the shouting that they heard was they heard her pounding on the door and demanding to be let in, which again flies directly in the face of her original version that the door was ajar and she went in. She, when she was finally arrested, was released on bail or on bond the same day. It is a tragedy for the family and loved ones of both them, Jean or Jean. What this woman will eventually be charged with, I don't know. Currently, uh, manslaughter. But (laughs) the way the investigation is going... I can't help but think she's going to get slapped on the wrist, not even removed from the police force, and so on and so forth. That's the way it's shaping up, as far as I can see. I'll be surprised if it goes differently. There was 
the conclusion of a murder trial in Baltimore. And this pertained to the 2015 murder of a young man, a 24-year-old truck driver who was raising three children. He was shot to death outside his home by another 24-year-old man who has now been sentenced to 65 years in prison after pleading guilty to second-degree murder. Police have come up with various different theories, and they said they thought that the man that was murdered, Kendall Fenwick, that he was targeted because he was building a fence around his home. How dare he, right? Building a fence around his home in the 3500 block of Park Heights Avenue, doing this to prevent drug dealers from coming through his yard. This is a man raising three children. And they take the word of the murderer of Devante Brim, take his word for it that he mistakenly shot this fellow. And that he thought it was someone who had shot at his mother's or grandmother's house. And so he was seeking revenge. Not that anybody was injured in that shooting, but he had to gun this guy down. Had to shoot him, shot him four times. Had to make sure he killed him. Well, interestingly enough, of course, he originally claimed that he didn't do the shooting, but he knew what gun was used and who used it. Well, they determined that there was some lying going on. He was sentenced to 50 years in the murder of Fenwick and 15 years on other charges, including robbery, burglary, breaking in, burglarizing. That home, I believe. But great stuff. 65 years. Let's see how long he's in prison. Maybe six and a half years. I don't know. Uh, But rest assured, it will not be any 65 years. I'm sure you saw word concerning the terrible mass murder in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, in this mall setting, but at a bank, which has a very curious name, the Fifth Third Bank. <laughs> I've seen some churches with names like that, like the something akin to the Fifth Third Baptist Church or something. Well, this is the Fifth Third Bank near Fountain Square in Cincinnati. And... This one fellow, Leonard Kane, said he saw a woman walking into the bank. Now, he, when he was about to go into the bank, he was warned that there was a shooting. And so he did not enter. He sought cover. But he, at the, approximately the same time, practically the same time, he saw a woman walking into the bank. And they tried to get her attention, but couldn't because she was wearing headphones and did not hear them. 
She walked in the door, and the killer shot her. The murderer shot her. How many times have you seen girls, teenage girls, young women, and or women out running or cycling with headphones on, jogging with headphones on, working out with headphones on. How many times? I have, and I don't get out much, but I have many times. And I'm always of the same mind that that is so foolish. Not only that they cannot then hear, have any knowledge of somebody approaching them from behind, running up behind them. They're not going to hear anything until it's too late. But in addition to that, hearing a vehicle, hearing a vehicle that's (laughs) coming up onto a sidewalk. Not that that ever happens except in Europe and New York City and so forth, but not hearing a car stop and the car door open and somebody jump out to grab them. Not that that ever happens, but it happens. But just absolutely oblivious and just out there enjoying themselves. I don't know if that was the case for the young woman, Molly Cecilia Tibbetts, up in Brooklyn, Iowa. But I suspect that it probably was. But I've seen it time and time and time again. And here, this young woman is wearing her headphones into the bank, as she goes into the bank. Suffice to say, it's foolish behavior. And in this case, it was Tragic behavior. One woman who was shot at that bank, I do not believe it's the same person, but this woman had a remarkable escape from death. She was shot one dozen times, 12 times. And she lived to tell about it. Whitney Austin, 37 years of age. This destroyer slaughtered three people, wounded two, including her. The fact that she's not dead is, thanks only to God, she, by all rights, would have been one of the fatally wounded, or fatalities. And she stated the following. I'm going to read a couple quotes. On the ground inside the revolving door, she said, quote, I began to make my peace with God, end quote. Amazing. Actually, I won't read more of what she said than that. But she called her husband after the shooting had ended, after this murderer had been slain. She called her husband to let him know that she was alive 
called him from the hospital that she was gravely injured, gravely wounded, but she was alive. The shooter, Omar Santa Perez, 29, murdered three, wounded two. So she is shot 12 times. He shoots this woman 12 times, and the media refers to her condition as being wounded. Wounded, that's all. She's just wounded. And, you know, serious injuries, but not life-threatening, right? How many times have you seen that and heard that? Well, Perez had no connection to the victims, according to the police, and they haven't identified a motive. Because, after all, there always has to be a motive. You know, nothing bad ever happens, no murders ever happen, unless there is a motive. But this woman, she began to make peace with God because she was sure that she was dying, but miraculously survived. Before I go on, let me just say I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is good, right, true about this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus, whatever's wrong, errant, lacking, is due to me. Perhaps you saw or heard about this mayor of this tiny, tiny, teeny, weeny North Carolina town and his wife, who was a nurse at a cancer center, Perhaps you heard about them being murdered in their home. And he's the mayor of a town with the name Leggett, L-E-G-G-E-T-T, a town of 55 people, population 55. Gary Skelton Sr. and his wife Jackie And three people have been arrested. Mitchell Brinson, 18. A woman, and I'll do my best to pronounce this, Dakithia. Dakithia or Dakithia. Nesha Andrews, 31. And Keith Earl Williams, 25. Williams has been charged with first-degree murder. And Miss Andrews, or Mrs. Andrews, or Ms. Andrews, which I don't use, but she is being charged with conspiracy to commit robbery with a dangerous weapon. Well, the one who has been charged with first-degree murder, he was just released at the end of August after being convicted of assault with a deadly weapon, felony possession of a firearm by a felon, and so forth. But this couple were murdered in their home, and a town commissioner said the following, quote, they would have given them the shirt off their back. People just don't realize he has invested so many man hours. Speaking of the mayor, into this tiny town, 
but in terms of what he's done for the people there. And this is how they are rewarded. But those who have done this evil, they will, (laughs) you know, go back to jail, return to jail. Okay, the one who was released August 28th, go back to jail for, you know, for a while longer and be released again to do some more evil. Speaking of doing evil, a fellow who was a syndicated radio talk host in a very small way uh, with, a, with some small stations has pleaded guilty to abusing four boys or young men. This fellow, his real name is Dan Steffen. And he uses an alias, Rick Austin, on the radio. But among other things, in addition to pleading guilty to abusing them, not raping them, not child rape, but abusing them, he also pled guilty to trying to purchase the services of a contract killer to murder the prosecutor, the woman prosecutor in charge of his prosecution. And this Collin County prosecutor, she said the following, quote, I was frightened. I think I was more afraid for my children because they are all very young. Because I was aware of the defendant and I felt like he was the most depraved individual I ever prosecuted. I took him at his word, end quote. So what do you imagine that this fellow faces in terms of sentencing? You might be surprised to learn, and his crimes involved many more than four. Many more than four boys. And they stretched over years of time, dating back 20 years. But here is what he may face when it comes to sentencing. He could receive anywhere from probation to life in prison when the judge sentences him. Isn't that excellent? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a wonderful standard of the rule of law to have it be that wide open to subjective sentencing? He could receive as little as probation, even though he attempted to have this woman prosecutor murdered. And even though he's raped children for 20-plus years, he could receive as little as probation. Or he could receive all the way up to life in prison, which, as you know, life in prison does not mean life in prison. It means until they release you. Outstanding. Just a monstrous excuse of an individual. 
who absolutely deserves the death penalty and not to be executed a quarter of a century from now with lethal injection, but to be executed swiftly as the founding fathers insisted and by one of the means that were used back at the time of the work of the governments, of the governance, of the rulership of the founding fathers, namely hanging or shooting. But no, instead, we need to spend millions on executions that must, at all cost, preclude any possible suffering by the heinous, murderous destroyers. And therefore, and again, be actually performed 20, 25 years after, if they are performed at those times, and therefore have zero deterrent value. But this is the great enlightened progressive United States of America, after all. Now, on the previous program, I made reference to this dear little girl, 10-year-old girl, up in Alaska, Eskimo girl, in this community of 3,100 people, not 55 like Leggett, North Carolina, but 3,100 people up above the Arctic Circle, north of the Arctic Circle. And it is predominantly Eskimo populated and... The term, the right name, which I know I'm not pronouncing correctly, is Inupiat. Uh, Again, I apologize. I know that's not the correct pronunciation. That's the best I can do with it. So, this community, Kotzebue, this precious little girl, 10-year-old girl, Ashley Johnson Barr, had been playing with friends... And she went home. And even though they are up above the Arctic Circle, she had a cell phone. Well, the cell phone was found a half mile from the park that she was playing at in the opposite direction from her home. Now, the sheriffs who investigated, or rather the state troopers, pardon me, who investigated, they did what they could to bring in the FBI. FBI agents were called in, finally. 17 agents arrived. Well, this precious little girl, her body was just discovered the other day. One statement that really bothered me (laughs) uh, from the Alaska State Troopers from Lieutenant David Hansen, he said uh, that the probe was looking at whether a crime might have been involved. Whether a crime might have been involved. 
in this little girl's disappearance from this modest community up in the middle of nowhere, north of the Arctic Circle, with her disappearing on her way home and her cell phone found a half mile in the opposite direction from her home. Well, whether a crime might have been involved, and he said the following, quote, we are confident that someone in this community knows what happened to Ashley and needs to come forward and share that information with us, end quote. When did he get off the boat? Seriously. If someone in this community knows what happened to Ashley, that is either the kidnapper, rapist, destroyer, who at that time had her in their possession, or it was a witness to the kidnapping. And yet he's still at that time, you know, puzzling over whether a crime might have been involved. This is fellow in charge, so... Rather outstanding. But lo and behold, this little girl was murdered. Yes, this is the favored crime in America, and it has been for decades now. The crime of choice. Kidnap, rape, murder. And when I have spoken to Young women that I meet, teenagers, young women, young mothers, mothers that I've met or at doctor's offices or post offices or wherever. I always I specify the particular danger to girls, young women and young mothers, that this is the target demographic that is overwhelmingly the most heavily targeted for kidnap, rape, enslavement, kidnap, rape, trafficking, kidnap, rape, murder. Are other women attacked and raped? Yes. But as far as to be kidnapped, taken away, raped, and, and then sold or enslaved or murdered, it's invariably younger demographic. And one doctor's office that I frequented, I tried to share this with the younger nurses and the older women who were in their 50s and beyond, they got all hot under the collar that I didn't seem to display the same concern for them that they might be kidnapped, raped, and so forth. (laughs) Unbelievable. Instead of them being concerned for their daughters, their nieces, their younger sisters, their grandchildren. Instead, they chose to be offended that they weren't, that I didn't deem them to be the target demographic for such crimes and those most in need of self-defense training to be able to escape and survive such things, such attacks. But... (laughs) Unbelievable, but true. So, this little girl, her body was found yesterday, more than a week after she was reported missing. And a man, a 41-year-old man, Peter Wilson of Kotzebue, 
is facing charges of making false statements to a federal agent who was investigating. Isn't that fascinating? He's not being charged with kidnap. He's not being charged with child rape. He's not being charged with murder. He's facing charges of making false statements, plural, to a federal agent. Isn't that excellent? This sweet, dear little girl who was playing with her friends at this park on September 6th, suffered horribly, is now dead. If this fellow is prosecuted for kidnap, child rape, and murder, and convicted, what do you think the chances are that he will be executed? I mean, really, seriously, what do you think the chances are? That would just be cruel and inhumane of this nation to try in some small measure to protect other little girls from suffering this. Terrible. The United States of America cannot, in good conscience, do anything to deter these destroyers from preying on these girls and young women and young mothers, because that just would be so wrong. Just ask the Pope. Just ask that pathetic Pope, who again comes out with his psychological, sociological, anthropological Reasoning diametrically contrary to the Bible. But then after all, what should one expect from the Roman see, the Roman, holy Roman? It is diametrically contrary, those two words. Holy and Roman should never be uttered in the same breath. But something else that just happened here on Friday... This woman, this outstanding woman, Evelyn Rodriguez, her precious 16-year-old daughter, Kayla Cuevas, and Kayla's girlfriend, 15-year-old Nisa Mickens, were stalked, were attacked, were murdered with machetes and baseball bats, by a gang of MS-13 who had been harassing her continually at her school. They murdered these girls. They torturously murdered these girls two years ago. And our president happened to make reference to them in a State of the Union speech. His first, I believe. Well, this is the mother of Kayla, Evelyn Rodriguez. And she was at a memorial service for her daughter two years to the day after her daughter had been slaughtered. And this woman was murdered on the same street where her daughter's body was found. I say murdered because 
That's what happened. If you, you know, you read the headlines and so forth and you find out that she was killed by a car. Yeah, it must have been one of those Teslas or one of those other self-driving cars because there, you know, according to the stories, there was no driver in the headlines. It's just a car randomly hit her. (laughs) Of course, it's not what happened, but what happened was that Evelyn and another woman at the memorial were standing in the street yelling at the driver of an SUV. And they had reason to be yelling. So what did the driver of the SUV do? The driver of the SUV sped as fast as they could towards her and rammed this woman. Oh, but that's not murder. It gets better yet. The driver who had murdered this woman remained at the scene and was not immediately arrested. Evelyn Rodriguez, since the monstrous murder of her daughter and her daughter's friend, has been bravely, courageously, tirelessly doing everything in her power to bring attention to the monstrous danger posed by the MS-13 gangs against young people there on Long Island and across this nation. But... Her voice has been silenced. Oh, and of course, there's no connection with MS-13. Absolutely not. And they can't even call this a murder. Well, those who murdered the girls, who are referred to as alleged killers, were arrested along with a dozen others. MS-13 gang members. MS-13 is shorthand for Mara Salvatrucha, or Truca, if you prefer. But the thing about this is Kayla, the daughter of this woman, was threatened harassed and threatened for two years before she was murdered. And the school did nothing about it. The school district did nothing about it. Outstanding. But that's where we are in the United States of America. That's how wonderful things really are. A young corrections officer in New York was targeted and murdered when he stopped at a red light. A motorcyclist whom he had exchanged words with twice. He had exchanged words with, then he exchanged words with him there at the red light when the motorcyclist came up to him and the motorcyclist shot him in the head. 
This young man is now past. This young man who was thrilled to be able to serve people as a corrections officer. The good die young. There are good and outstanding and wonderful people in the police, in the sheriffs, in the troopers, and in the other law enforcement agencies. And then there are others who have no business being there. And we have the good ones being preyed upon, in some cases, some sort of retribution for what the others have done. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Thank you.